podcast for the entrepreneurial, mindful and creative leader. I'm Jim Antonopoulos. I'm Damien Carolla. We're broadcasting from the beautiful George's Building in Collins Street, Melbourne. And this is Fearless. How was your week? I had a lot of travel this week, Jim. Um, travel's a funny one because it sort of throws you out a little bit, um, particularly when you get a few flight delays and you've got to get up the next morning. I mean, sort of not big issues, but um, a little bit tired, to be honest, today. But it, you know what? I'm actually, I've got a bit of a spring in my step because I knew that we had to record this podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. You flew in late last night. I got in late last night. There was a, a few storms in um in Sydney, so we got a little bit delayed. Mm. But I just got up this morning, and I don't know, man. I'm just I just got a real buzz about That's doing good. this podcast. Friday afternoon, I think so. <laughs> yeah. How was your week? Oh, um, it was it was really great, actually. Um, spent a lot of time with the kids, but also um, there were really great opportunities arising at work. I'm really grateful, and you know, you've been privy to my journey over the last five years or so in my business, but I'm really grateful to be able to say that we work with some really remarkable and kind and humble clients. And sometimes in this week, I think a few of them came to the fore where, you know, some really great opportunity arose, you know, opportunity to solve some really great tangible problems, uh, which I really dive into, I'm not afraid of, but yeah, this week was all about that. And, you know, interacting globally with a specific client, uh, I've got a conference call in a couple of hours this evening um, with one of them. But, you know, that all that stuff's sort of exciting. And again, yeah, it leads me to have a spring in my step when I go home um, and also in the morning, yeah, coming up to it. So, yeah, this week's been really cool. Yeah, it's probably a, an interesting sort of lead into this uh, today's podcast episode on, on values because mm-hmm. what I've witnessed with you over the past probably three to five years, Jim, is that you've you've taken a pretty clear position on your values and you've been pretty firm on what those principles are. And I've noticed how come sort of rain, hail or shine, you've, you've stayed true to those, those principles. Who, who taught you those values? Where did they first come from? <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't a book I read. Yeah. Um, but was it, was, uh, it, was it someone in particular? Like, Where did you first notice it? When did the kind of penny drop about, you know, this feeling in your gut about what you wanted to do? Um, yeah, our... Our business builds values and cre- and develop co-creates them with our other organisations, and and it's part of the work that we do that I really love, finding a belief system yeah. um, inside an organisation, but also bringing individuals together and provoking and interrogating and and diagnosing what they their belief system is yeah. as individuals. I yeah. really enjoy that yeah. work. Um, who where where did I get that from? I don't know. I th- did you feel that, it, you know, was it like a, was it just an emerging feeling you had in your gut over a period? What, I mean, was it when you um, sort My of father's pretty principled, quite yeah. principled, you know. Is, uh, what's, what's your dad like in terms of his principles? Yeah, A little right. bit stubborn, but. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, you know, his military family. Yeah, um, wow, right. All of that. So, yeah, maybe, maybe a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Did Yourself? You oh, look, that's a great question. I think you can't discount your parents, but mm. it's more observation through how your parents behaved. Yeah. You know, necessarily, then they didn't necessarily have to lecture you. You used to just witness your parents, your older cousins. I remember as yeah. a young, as a young boy, you would always look up to your older male cousins because yeah. you wanted to be like them and however they behaved. And so, if they went and created trouble, you're like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. So, so those older people, and also um, 
you know, it taught me uh, bad experiences as well, as much as the good. You know, I've had a lot of bad experiences in my career. I've worked with you know, a lot of negative cultures as much as I've worked in positive cultures. I think that both the yin and the yang teach me quite a lot about the the line in the sand that I'm willing to draw and um, and how much I'm willing to uh, stand by that line and and demonstrate it um, really strongly. Um, so yeah, being being in the shit has taught me as much as <laughs> as much as you know reading a book or learning from my parents or my father specifically about values and principles. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're in that sort of mud pit back yeah. in the day, I like that the mud. I like the that. mud. You're sitting there. You've got a bit of tension coming up. You're pushing it up against. Let's say if it's a scenario, maybe some people are behaving around around you mm-hmm. uh, in a way that just doesn't fit with who you are. Maybe they're executing a business plan, a decision, maybe restructuring a business, making calls that you know in your gut just it just doesn't feel right. Mm. Might be commercial, might might deliver some pretty decent results, but for some reason you can't yeah. always articulate that. It just doesn't feel just right. Just rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. So where, where, I mean what do you do? What do you do? And I mean, it's, it's a really good conversation for this podcast because we can be all romantic and talk about values, but that's not the real world. The real world is is that we we get presented with these challenges on sometimes on an almost daily basis, and it's easy to be highly aspirational and say this is just values that you choose, but it's actually in reality it doesn't really work like that, does it? No, you can't pick. You, well, you can kind of pick them from the list. Yes, <laughs> that's that's the easy bit. Right? Um, you can just Google. That. Google values. You'll find a These nice are my values. <laughs> you can pick them from a list, but um, living them every single day, you know, demonstrating them in your in behaviors within a team, uh, realizing them in the rituals and rhythms that a team um, has and executes weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, is a whole different ball game. Building a culture, and I was having a conversation with Lauren this morning, um, who I work with, who will join us on a future episode. I was having a conversation this morning about the blend between the values that you express to the world and the values of the organisation internally as a culture. Are they aligned? Mm. Should they be aligned? Where's the overlap? And I'm we were, I'm really fascinated about that. I believe that what you put out into the world needs to link intrinsically with the culture you have inside. And you see lots of organisations, especially in the news currently, the, the things that are happening at Uber and more recently Google around cultural issues and organisational issues, uh, the workplace practices of Amazon um, versus what the brand is saying externally um, are so in, in attention with one another. So I find that enormously fascinating. Yeah, so how do people reconcile their inner tension, how do they reconcile their inner conflicts? It's one thing for the organisation you said to be in, mm. in broader conflict, but that's really just often playing out the internal conflict that we have. And this is as individuals. As individuals. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of when something's pushing up against something internal, where do you go? Do you, you speak up? How confident are you to find your voice and sit amongst a group of people and not be popular about those calls? Because that's values. It is. You know, how do you how do you be the unpopular person? How do you be the person that you know is going to potentially get lined up yeah and it is and sometimes you know standing up for your for what you believe in as an individual um, means even as a team or as an organization it means that someone out there is going to disagree yeah. and 
and that's okay because if you stand for something, it means that you don't stand for something else. There's something else in the world that you don't stand for. So really believing in something which is at the heart of, uh, of having values, it means you're pushing against something else. And that realisation I don't think a lot of organisational leaders get. I don't think they actually grasp that, yes, they can choose some a set of values, but they need to push against, there needs to be some tension there and push against something else. And then they need to go deep and build those values inside their culture as well. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and, and you find people are, are getting pretty cynical these days, even when they talk about organisational mission statements, organisational value statements, et cetera, et cetera, and because purpose. Yep. and purpose statements. Mm. Um, people are, I think, a little bit cynical these days when they even hear the word within an organisational setting. It's It takes someone with a lot of courage, conviction and leadership to actually really really hold those values and demonstrate them when it's actually not pretty to demonstrate them. Absolutely. I wrote an article um, weeks ago um, about changes that I made in my business, uh, principled changes, uh, realigning my business around a value system and restructuring and and completely refounding my business around an intrinsic and very strong principled values system. And the title of the article was, I'm the asshole and it's okay. I understand that as a leader, for want of a better term, in my role, that that's that's the reality of standing by your values. Is is to actually put yourself out there and think, oh, well, yeah, someone's not going to like this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, okay. I'm okay with that because if the changes that you make, the changes that I made, I stand by. I really believed in them, and they were they were, they go back to, down to the core values that I have as an individual, and this is. And this applies at scale. They go down to the core values I have as an individual that I bring into my business around doing meaningful work, embracing diversity, equality and inclusion, finding better ways to work, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's um, that's something I've really witnessed you stand for for quite a, a long time and, and ever since I've known you, you've been pretty firm on those values and, and I guess we're lucky in some ways because you and I get to pick and choose our clients and our projects and, and in some ways it's um, we're quite blessed and fortunate to be able to make those calls but what happens to that that dude that's sitting up the corner of the office in that big corporate hierarchy yeah. that knows that knows that he's in an organisational setting that he just shouldn't be in he, he, every day he has to actually subvert part of his value system mm-hmm. he's got to crush maybe even part of his soul just to turn up let's be honest we know situations like that what, what happens to those people yeah and he's asking um, am I doing what I love Am I doing what I care about? He's and asking those questions or she's asking. Or she's asking those, those questions. questions. Um, or, and then even how do I do what I love? How do I find a, a role or an organisation that is values aligned? They're fair questions to be asking. Well, you, you hope the, um, as the next generations are coming uh, through, the, you know, we're starting to see those questions um get carried out around with a lot more conviction than um, from when you and I started as graduates back in the oh, day. I mean, yeah. you talk about values, people start laughing at you. Yeah, absolutely, a thousand years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, what Your question, what happens to that person, you know, sitting in the corner of a very large organisation who wants to work for a very principled organisation? What do you think? What do I think yeah. you're going to say or what yeah, I no, think? No. <laughs> what do you think that person should be doing? I, they've got no other choice just to be who they are. Mm. I mean, because, um, 
you know, that, that notion of coming home to your family, your kids, your partner and, and having to carry all that weight of that misalignment in a value system home is just toxic. It actually just makes people really sick, Jim. It just really makes them sick or they'll, they'll come to a Friday Arvo, you know, smash a bottle of wine and whatever else yeah. um, just to blow off some steam because they've had to carry this weight around all week, the weight of not being who you are, the weight of actually having to suck it up. Yeah. Yeah, just because somebody's telling you that this is who you need to be. Yeah. And I think it's a process of the, the transition from going from what you just described, going from a toxic, uh, non-values aligned culture and moving, transitioning into one, starts with the individual. It starts with a hell of a lot of self-discovery. There's obviously a want there for a shift, a transition, but what transition, when, how, uh, where, that has to be really clear as an individual. Um, and that, that create that needs um, a lot of self-awareness. It's a lot of inner work, isn't it? Absolutely. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that inner work. How does that start? Oh, look, I can tell you exactly some of the key defining moments that um, started this journey off for me. I remember being quite uh, blessed and fortunate to have some really strong friends back in the day as a 20, 21-year-old. And I, and I recall the sort of... I didn't know it was a values conversation back then, but I, I recall hanging out with a few mates and uh, a good friend of mine who um, had a martial arts background and he taught me from a, a very young age how to meditate and how to do martial arts. And I remember that everything that him and I shared was authentic, it was heartfelt, um, there was a lot of love for each other as friends and we really did some cool things together. And I recall that every time we, we engaged and had these really powerful conversations that I would feel amazing and he would feel amazing. And there's a reason why that happened in, in retrospect and, and the reason why that happened is because we just gave each other permission to completely be ourselves. Yeah. So that those values around your own integrity, around how you feel when you are with people with compassion, with you know, and with compassion comes a lot of power, power for each other. You're not taking power away from someone. You're not trying to subvert their energy or control them or dominate them. You're giving them permission to fly and to grow and I recall geez that's what I want I want more of that and I want to be able to give other people more of that and then the thing always happens it's like um, you know Joseph Campbell's that sort of typical sort of hero's journey where you you go out into the world and you have these big aspirations and you, you get shut down yeah. it's like the world's challenging you saying is that what you really want to do because I'm going to stick you in a corporate environment give you a bit of money mm. and let's see how you hold up those values as a 24 year old mm. And I got to about the I sort of so I started playing this misaligned values game, the corporate game, the MBA game. Nothing wrong with masters um, qualifications and postgraduate. You know, I think they're fantastic. But my uh, story was was I am my achievements. I am the amount of money in my bank account. I address. I am my title, mm. and I'm what I'm what I've achieved. And I remember pitching this to um, uh, some masters group work that we had and I had a really strong lecturer you know what she said to me when I got up and um, explained to her who I was she goes to me that's the biggest load of shit I've ever heard <laughs> I went oh, 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 what, what, what are you talking about I nearly started crying yeah. Yeah, but it was the first time I thought you know what I was honest I actually don't know who I am because I know I'm not that mm. and so when you ask me where does that start it started with a lot of inner work on I actually don't know who I am to begin with but I know who I'm not and once you start to slowly unravel and uncover who you really aren't, uh, which is any of those external accomplishments and achievements, you'll start to get closer to 
I don't know who I am, but I know what I I know what it feels like when I'm being myself. Mm. And that and it pretty much builds from there. Mm. And the clearer you get with that process. And it's a, I tell you what, it's it's a hard process. It's not an easy process. You need strong mentors, mm. good guides, because the world's gonna keep pulling you back into that yeah. other place which is this is who you are. Yeah, so true. Trying to put you in a box. Yeah, trying to put you in a box and, and you get these messages repeated to you on a, a daily basis, a moment-by-moment moment basis saying, Jim, this is who you are. Mm, mm. This is exactly who you are. Yeah, almost reinforcing everything, yep. Yeah, so it's a lot of uh, you need a good mentor of, you know, like a, a good tribe around you. You need some strong, powerful mentors, good mates that are prepared to hold you to, to account but also give you some compassion to say, mate, you don't have to do that. Mm. That's not who you are. Mm. I know who you are. You're a good friend of mine. Mm. You don't have to walk into those offices every day and just, you know, give up your soul and subvert who, who you're really, who you really, um, who you're really being. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Good one. Yeah, the other, um, the other conversation which really comes up strongly on the value on, on the value front is um, this real question around purpose-driven enterprises, value-driven enterprises, and commercialization. There's, a, there's always a tension that comes up that we're, I often see people trying to reconcile between living a value-purposeful life or having a value purpose driven organization and still and making sure it's commercially sustainable or viable and i can tell you hand on my heart jim um that there's certainly uh not mutually exclusive yeah tell me about that yeah it's 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 something i've you know i was really fortunate i was blessed i was blessed with having some really good strong powerful mentors back in the day and and they used to always had this sort of mantra um you know a really a good mentor of mine, I'll call him Pete, who um, I'm sure he listened to this podcast at some stage. He said, mate, you can you can be really highly aspirational, just make sure you're grounded in reality. Yeah. So he would encourage us to to reach for the stars, but just honor the monetization, the commercialization, honor financial literacy. Make sure you embrace it because you actually can't have one without the other. No, I completely agree. Um, I read the the responsible company by the founder of Patagonia. Yeah, it's a really right. great book and I highly recommend it. There's a checklist at the back and a framework to develop a responsible company. Um, the number one thing on that checklist is to re- have a return to shareholders right. for a responsible company. There's a lot of others around environmental sustainability and ethics, ethical um, practices, etc. But the number one thing on that checklist is financial viability and sustainability. So, And what I've seen in our work is that we work with a lot of uh, purpose-driven leaders a lot of purpose-driven organisations and there's there's such an importance around creating an equal balance between purpose and profitability, financial sustainability. Yet I see in sort of weaker organisations a heavy leaning towards one or the other. That doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work at all, yeah. If you lean too far to, towards the... The, a purposeful organization and forget the commercial reality of running a business uh, you, you're doomed and you're actually not very responsible at all you're not helping anyone especially the people that work in that organization and taking a salary uh, and if you're leaning towards the other side you're simply a, a widget making money making machine uh, which some people really appreciate, but your purpose conversation or your is and your values conversation is complete bullshit. Yeah, it's um, 
It's a cracking topic. It's probably one of the most exciting topics. So mm. I just love this topic around <laughs> financial literacy and, and purpose and, and how do we teach ourselves and others to actually balance out those two characters or archetypes? How do we actually teach people to really embrace both sides of the coin? Mm. Um, there's a great book uh, by Lawrence Levy, the, uh, the former CFO of Pixar, which I, I think I mentioned the other day. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence, uh, he, he spoke about this, this great discussion that within every human being, it's almost like there's two personalities that exist. There's the bureaucrat, so the person that gets stuff done, the, you know, the person that's about monetization and commercialization and process and throughput. Mm-hmm. And then there's almost like the, you know, the adventurer or, the, or the, uh, the spirit, and the spirit is all about purpose and aspiration. And he makes a great argument for the successful life and the successful organization really balances out those two personality types because you can't uh, honor one without the other. And, mm. I, and, I, and I love your explanation because if you're only about commercialization and monetization, um, Lawrence also mentioned that you just start to lose your spirit and soul. Mm. You forget the reason why you bother getting out of bed in the morning. You're just on this treadmill trying to acquire more stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like the tension between those two. And also um, just in the research to our dis- today's discussion around values, um, I found uh, some commentary around from Brene Brown, um, who's very well known. Um, and I remember her saying in an article or a video that I watched that uh, you can't value uh, courage and then also expect comfort. Doesn't work, does it? Doesn't work, you know. <laughs> um, courage is, she was saying that courage is at the heart of a value system. The courage to even draw that line in the sand is your intrinsic value right at the centre of who you are. So just having the courage to say, this is, the, this, is the, this is my purpose or this is my value set or this is my belief system, this is what I stand for, that comes from courage. She was saying that uh, you can't have courage and then also value comfort. Doesn't work. Does Doesn't it? work at all. I like that tension. That's a great it one. It makes complete sense to me. Yeah, it's a, it's just a, it's almost at the heart and soul of leadership, resilience, and high performance. Mm. Is tension. I um, for years we've been doing a lot of work with various across various disciplines, from psychology to military to sporting disciplines, and the same message keeps coming back time and time again. Is how do I sit within my tension? Because courage is about sitting in your tension. Real leadership is how do I sit in the mud when every part of my being just wants to jump out of the mud? How do I actually sit and have the uncomfortable conversation and start to practice more of that in order to find my courage? Because that's the only way I'm going to break the mold. That's the only way I'm going to create those emerging values. That's the only way I'm going to go opposite to what the marketplace is doing. So there's stuff around. I know we'll get into leadership in some of the other podcasts, but the ultimate story of, of, of values and leadership is courage. And it's, it takes a bit of courage to actually sit within your tension when, when you're getting pulled in four different directions from about, you know, four or five different stakeholders. Completely agree. What do you think uh, an entrepreneur or a leader should do at any scale, so you know, a person running their own business, a small business, or uh, an entrepreneur looking to scale yeah. globally um, yeah. an idea or an existing business, uh, what do you think they should do to find the core belief system or the core values at the heart of their endeavor? A <laughs> and B, how do they then? realize them inside that endeavor that they do be it a small freelance business or a large global entrepreneurial endeavor scaling 
It's a really good question, Jim. I mean, one of the one of the things that we we're doing at the moment, and 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 I'll often come back to this point time and again, is is when I'm starting on this journey, or when we're starting on a new idea or an enterprise, there's often a lot of inner reflection and inner work that you need to start with, and that inner work around an idea or a concept is well it's not only what, I, what I, what's the idea i want to bring to the world it's, it's actually who, who do i want to be as i'm bringing that idea into the world mm. that who do i want to be comes back to a previous question you asked which is actually who really am i um, how do i want to engage in the world um, what's the joy and the love and the vitality that i want to bring into an idea or an enterprise to make sure that it's a game changer and it starts with a lot of internal reflection a lot of inquiry around sure i see a gap in the market that's one thing and it's really important to identify that as an idea but there's a few steps that we, we really encourage people to do before they even get into that process which is well do i actually actually know who i am do i know what resonates at my core do i know want, know how i want to play in the world and once we get back to those deeper inquiry questions those really important questions that the rest will actually gradually start to evolve so when you're doing that pitch or a brand story it's coming through you mm. it's coming it's, it's just a complete extension of who you are mm. whether it's an idea a, a new piece of tech whatever it is it's got to come from your core truth and your being Don't, yeah i completely agree i get a lot of um individual sort of uh creative people entrepreneurs um asking me um how can i present better how can I present ideas better to executives and boards and, you know, large rooms of people? And I can see that their expectation, when I come back to them and, and essentially relay what you just said to me yep. um, to begin with themselves, there is a sort of look of disappointment because they're expecting... A the, set, magic, the magic a, a formula. Ma- yeah, you know, a template, <laughs> <laughs> a presentation template or a sequence of storytelling, a storyboard, or um, a checklist of things of to wear, say, do, etc., which are all viable, but there's a sense of disappointment when I say, you know, it begins with you as an individual. They're like, well, it begins with me. What, what do you mean? mean it begins what with mean? me, man. Stop being so bloody esoteric and out there. <laughs> what do you mean it begins with you? What does that mean? Um, I can't grasp that. Yeah, it, that's the reaction. And I completely agree with you that um, finding your yourself understanding you or what you stand for what you don't and the tension between the two and they don't have to be very disparate they can be very narrow that tension yeah. is the beginning you know of creating a really strong self-awareness um, within yourself and then crafting a very strong sense of values and values can shift you know over time but a very strong sense of values um, that enable you to present better pitch better um, and create organizations and businesses and teams that are high performing and scalable. Yeah, so so it starts with asking yourself some of those really important questions. Who am I? How do I bring this vitality to the world? How do I bring my natural self? How do I bring love into everything that I do? You know, whatever those questions are for, for the individual, they're not really fixed, are they? Yeah, no, not at all. And so that's the first part of the question. And I think the second part of what you asked was then how do we present that to the market? Or how yes. do we present that how to do the we then, How do we then take that, right? So as individuals or as a CEO or uh, I've found it, I've done that bit. Yeah. How do I then take that into culture? How do I then t- build teams around that? That's, that's, that's a really good question. You know, teams that are high performing and values aligned that don't just break apart to do their own thing. 
you know, teams that are sitting there um, on on purpose, they're, they're on purpose, I'm using quotes, right? Yeah. Um, and also an employee value proposition that's so strong that there's a line of people wanting to work there because you stand for something and they stand for something that actually matches. And I think of organisations um, like you know, Lonely Planet, yes. the publisher, uh, Patagonia, really poignant organisations and at some points of their, their, their lifespan quite profound in what they stood for but had really long queue of people wanting to work there, very strong presence in their organisation, strong cultures all around the belief system and the, the value system around that organisation. Do, do you think they told people what their values are or do you think they brought them along on a journey? I think they brought them along on a journey yeah. and also I think they lived them as leaders yeah. first and foremost. Yeah. They expressed them as leaders and they demonstrated them and they created rituals, rhythms and processes and workflows, whatever you want to call yeah. them, those things that we interact with and flow through yeah. in our days, in our days, whether it be the, the sales workflow or the production workflow, whatever it is, they created a system inside of that organisation that was intrinsically linked yeah. to the belief system and value system. I like that, Jim. I mean, coming back to that Lawrence Levy conversation, uh, you can't just have a, an open-ended dialogue within an organisation about spirit and purpose. You actually have to have some structure that, that gives life and, and love and a bit of lifeblood to, to those key values being repeatable and systemic through an organisation. So it's almost like that perfect balance, isn't it? You've got to have a system that brings it to life, but it can't just be all system or it can't just be all fluidity exactly. in terms of who you're being. Yep. It's got to be supported uh, systemically through the business. So true. What are you reading at the moment? I'm Apart from I, this, the what is it? Lawrence Levy's book. Uh, yeah, yeah, Lawrence Levy's book. Actually, I was just I, I picked up um, uh, the book um, by the All Blacks Legacy, which um, which was a that. cracker. I've read that. It's yeah, brilliant. what what do you think of that? Yes, yeah, so I actually bought it for a friend recently as a gift. Yeah, wow. Um, I really like that. What What did you like about it? I loved how, and I've I've used the All Blacks as a case study in the yeah. strategy course that I teach. The All Blacks created a culture of humility yeah. and leadership yeah. by having simple rules, simple principles, yeah. simple values. Yeah. Sweep the floor. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. You win, you lose. Whether you win the World Cup or you win against a neighbouring um, country, it doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the game, everyone goes home, the team stays in the locker room and cleans up. That teaches every single player a sense of humility by demonstration and intrinsically shows them that that, that act, that mm. value, that thing that they're experiencing by cleaning up after they've won a prestigious or even a prestigious game or, uh, or even lost a game and the cleaners have gone home, <laughs> it teach them, teaches them humility, which is a key attribute of great leadership. Humility. So humility, humility is a really good one because humility, it's just that energy that people give off. It's actually not always what they're saying. It's actually how they turn exactly. up in the room. It's their energy, the way they, the respect with which they engage others. Yep. Um, it's, it's not that they don't have egos, but they're not coming from an alpha or an ego yep. perspective, are they? Not yep. trying to dominate or not trying to subvert people. 
Exactly. Uh, sweep the floor was a favourite. Uh, no dickheads was another one. No another, dickheads. No dickheads. How good is that? Selecting players based on other attributes outside of the performance on the training track. Um, and if they were a dickhead during the week, they don't get to play. Yeah, great. Don't forget where you came from was another key principle, key value. A win or lose, or they would go back to a to a, a home ground of one of the players, or where they played as a child or as a, a younger player, and celebrate their humble. So they stay pretty grounded. Very grounded. And the All Blacks, I lo- I'm a big fan of that book. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, it's a it, it's a it's a cracking almost a guidebook for mentoring people, mm. younger men and women, in mm. terms of how to take them through the world. You know, I, it's a great book to read, but it actually almost makes me a little bit sad because there's a lot of people that don't get to have that mm. guidance and leadership because that's something we're clearly lacking. Mm. Is that strong, powerful mentor that can teach us those values about who we really are and how to okay. stay grounded? We should do an episode on mentorship. I think we should. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm currently reading um, Ray Dalio's book, Principles. Oh, yeah. Which I'm really enjoying. It's But he essentially is running through his life and work principles, yeah. not how-tos, just key values, key principles that he applies to his life and work. Interesting piece of reading. And, what's, uh, and I've heard a lot about Ray Dalio. What's, what's he about? What's he seen? So Ray Dalio has um, owned a hedge fund ran a very successful hedge, hedge fund, if not the most successful. Okay. He's in the twilight of his career, Bridgewater Associates, that's yep. the name of the hedge fund. Okay. He's one of the world's hundreds, well, the world's top 100 wealthiest people. He's also a mentor to uh, Bill, people like Bill Gates, really um, amazing, accomplished individual. Essentially, you know, a lot of people write biographies, etc. His book is essentially his life and work principles over the last 40 years um, and how he's applied them into his life and work. Uh, simple structure, nothing yeah, nothing outlandish, but, geez, it's quite compelling reading. Okay. Yeah, right. So, um, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to get onto it. I've, I've had it recommended to me a few times. Mm. So that was a good chat. That was a good chat. I think we... Um, we're working on getting a couple of people to interview over the next few weeks. Uh, we'll keep working on that. We've got some really remarkable people on our list. I think we need to ask them about values. I'd like to continue this learning because I think I've learned a lot from this discussion, but I think I'd, like, I'd also like to look at values through the lens of some other leaders that we're going to be talking to. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's pretty important because it sort of cuts to the core of, of what we're discussing in this podcast and, and the only way, really way to bring this to life is to is to get people to tell their stories and how their values, probably not just from a, an aspirational perspective but how they've reconciled the tension within their values. So I think there could be some really cool takeouts for, yeah. for, for people. Yeah, fantastic. Awesome. What does ne- next week look like? Next week looks like just getting a lot of content out. So I've oh, got to sit awesome. sit down and, and write a lot of content. So content's like it's kind of like trying to create music. Sometimes it flows, <laughs> and sometimes it gets stuck, and sometimes yeah. you can sit there all day and, and you don't know what yeah. you've produced. Amazing. Yeah. So what's I've your got, What's your week look like? Yeah, I've got a blog piece. I write one every Tuesday morning at ten a.m. Um, well, I don't write it at ten a.m. It goes out at ten a.m. Yeah. on Tuesday. So I'll start working on that soon. I've got a bit of content to write as well. Um, I'm going to help a couple of clients with some sticky board situations that yeah. they've got, um, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so yeah, next week looks good. I guess we'll recap it when we regroup. Look forward to it. Thanks, Damo. Thanks, Jim.
Fearless is produced by Jim Antonopoulos and Damien Carolla. We broadcast from the George's Building in Collins Street, Melbourne. Your questions, your insights and your ideas will help us feed future episodes.